Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. It's April 1st, 2023. And we have today Dan Harari. Rhymes with Ferrari. Thankfully, he texted me. And we've got Matt (laughs) and MUFON Matt. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) thanks, Dan, for coming on. Author, publicist. And are you still working, Dan? Or are you. Yeah, yeah. Alas, and, and unfortunately, yes. Uh, I've been a Hollywood pu- Hollywood publicist. In January this coming, it'll be 40 years. Wow. Almost wow. 40 years. And you've met a lot of famous people. Springsteen, Sch- Schwarzenegger wouldn't give you his, his autograph, <laughs> I hear. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, you he, know. He, was, he, was, he was fairly unpleasant to me. <laughs> oh, boy. I've heard the stories. Yeah, he, he, a little bitter, probably. I don't know. It depends <laughs> on when you catch him. <laughs> How about so your book and, and author? Um, you're still you've got the paranormal book uh, not yet released. Yeah, well, yeah. So <clears throat> my first book was Flirting with Fame, the one that you referenced about Springsteen and Schwarzenegger. Flirting with Fame uh, that came out last summer, and the subtitle is A Hollywood Publicist Recalls Fifty Years of Celebrity Close Encounter. Close Encounters is my favorite movie, so I had to get that in there. So, um, the quick story is I grew up just outside Asbury Park, New Jersey, and um, I was a rock and roller from the age of 10. When the monkeys came on TV, I got a set of drums, and I've been playing. You could probably see my electronic drums. I saw the drums, drum You can see them right there. Oh, nice. I still play. You need a um, drummer, don't you? Yeah, yeah. we do. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was in high school, I had real long hair, and I was a drummer in bands, and my best friend and I had a light show that we owned. And we worked at a little concert hall near the boardwalk in Asbury Park called the Sunshine Inn. And Bruce Springsteen used to play there years before he was famous. So when I tell people I'm from Asbury Park, first thing is, oh, Bruce Springsteen, I go, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I worked with him. I worked with him in 1973 before anybody, any of you ever heard of the guy, you know, I already knew him. So that's just a kind of a cool side thing. I went to Boston University after that. Oh, I went to Boston University. Howard Stern was, was in my school uh, with me. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Did you know was, him? I didn't know him. I saw him in the hallway because he was so incredibly tall. Yeah. But, yeah. um, he was two years ahead of me, and I met him tw- like 20 years later in Hollywood, and we spoke briefly about Boston University. But we were not in the same classes. He was older than me. After college, I worked briefly at Columbia Pictures uh, in Manhattan. I had a friend from college who got me a job there in the PR department. And I worked with Brooke Shields when she was 15, and her mother, Terrible Terry Shields. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I heard, knew, heard stories. Everyone, everyone feared. Everyone feared her. She liked me for some reason. Terrible Terry liked me. <laughs> so me, Brooke Shields, and her mother saw the Blue Lagoon movie together. It's the oh, first wow! The first time Brooke Shields and her mother ever saw the movie was oh, with me. That's <laughs> awesome. In a in a private screening room, and at the end, at the end, Brooke is fifteen. At the end, she goes, "Oh, that was terrible." And I said, Brooke, I thought you were you were terrific. You're going to be a big star. You know, it's going to be fine. And the mom said, Oh, Dan, you're such a nice guy. So the mom was always super nice. She hated everybody else. Um, I moved out to LA, 1980, and I had fr- a friend, a female friend from New York, who uh, lived on Venice Beach in a small uh, one-bedroom apartment with her fiance, and they were the kindest people ever. And they let me live on their couch for a year. A wow. year. I had no job, no money, no car, no connections, no girlfriend. I came to LA, Matt. I had no thing. I, had, right. I think I was down to six dollars. Early on, I was down to six dollars. Um, along and then I, I got a job at American Film Institute, and then I got a job at the Playboy Channel. Believe it or not, and I had just gotten married, and my timing was terrible because I knew all the girls. <laughs> I knew three years of naked girls, literally. I knew all of those girls. And my, and my wife would call me at my office and go, I'll bring home milk and bread. And I'm like, in there with Miss May. And it's like, Miss May. With the boobs and the black hair. And the oh, yeah. Hair. 
and telling me what to bring a line. I swear, every single time I had a girl in my office, my wife called me every single time. She that was my first real PR job. Uh, so that was January 84. So next January will be 40 years. I've been a Hollywood publicist. I have my own company. It's called Asbury Public Relations. I named it after Asbury Park. <laughs> nice. And my company is 26 years old. Um, I've worked with many, 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 many celebrities uh, in the last 40 years, even, even, even the last 50 years, counting back to high school. Springsteen, Kiss, Fleetwood Mac, Deep Purple, wow. Mata Hoople. Um, um, That's awesome. So many bands, so many bands that have come and gone. Um, you so, have any lately? I mean, do you have anybody lately? Or um, it, yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh -oh. It's good enough for this All one. right. This is, this is good. This is Thursday. Thursday of this week. Take a guess who that is. Try to take a guess who that lady is. Well, let me see. It says, oh. is that Barbara Eden? You're, on, you're sort of on the right track. You're in the right era. <laughs> that, that's Michelle Phillips from the Mamas and the Pops. Oh, wow. Oh, oh wow. She, awesome. she, and I be, she and I are friends, and I, and I had lunch with her uh, Thursday. Nice. That is so cool. So it's still, it's still ongoing. So my first book, Flirting with Fame, about me and celebrities. Uh, funny stories. When I met Meryl Streep, I was so incredibly nervous. I called her by the wrong name. What'd you call her, Dan? What'd you call her, Dan? Like Marilyn? It was a photo shoot with her and Kevin Costa. I spoke to Kevin, nicest guy in the world. And then Meryl Streep, this is at the height of her fame in the, in the early 90s, height of her fame. And it was at a photo shoot in a, in a dark room. And the, she, she came in late, the doors opened, bright sun. From outside came she was like all in white it was like when she walked in it was like oh <laughs> angelic <laughs> it really is her wings that aura Mr. around her <laughs> like miss streep is here miss streep is here miss streep is here right everyone's going so i was with about 25 people heads of abc heads of warner brothers and me right and i'm at the end of this so this is very 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 long line reception line of people to, to greet Meryl Streep. Everyone came, all the head people were there. So they, one after the next, you know, like the, when the Queen of England meets someone and goes down the line? Right. <laughs> people's like, literally like the Queen of England is exactly this. So she's going down the line. I'm the last person to love. Next to me is a woman named Carla. So she comes, Meryl, Meryl, Meryl comes over, and then she meets Carla, and Carla goes, Miss Streep, it's such an honor to meet you. My name is Carla from Warner. Fine. Then Meryl Streep and me, I'm the last one. I shake her hand. I go, Carla, it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I called Meryl Streep Carla. Oh, boy. <laughs> the most famous woman in the world. <laughs> what was her reaction? What you did looked at me like the RCA Victor dog. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is this guy? Yeah. Who, who yeah. is this guy? He <laughs> she, she took her hand out from the handshake. She looked at me like, huh? walked away. And then my friend Carla said, Dan, he just called Meryl Street Carla. And I said, really? I did? I didn't even know. I didn't even know. <laughs> Those are the kind of stories that are in my first book. That's awesome. My new book is called After They Came. It's a science fiction novel. Came out March 1st. When I met Matt a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And it's still, I mean, it's, it's a, today. It's a month old today. Yeah. And it's about science fiction, but there's a lot of um, reality woven throughout, like a ribbon. And um, I've been studying ufology for about 20 years. And here's how this book was born, Doug. And this is the most interesting part of the story. It goes back to 1970. 1970, I'm 14 years old. My dad picked me up at school and drove me home one day. It was in the afternoon, about four o'clock in the afternoon. It was still sunny out, New Jersey. And as we're driving on my neighborhood street in New Jersey, an enormous silver craft, it was in the shape of a V, like Victor, 
was just hovering over our over the car, just hovering right over the car. Didn't it wasn't even moving. It was barely moving. And I go, Dad, I'm 14. Dad, stop the car, stop the car, the UFO. Oh my gosh, I'm jumping. Excited. So I'm 14, man. It's 1970. So my dad pulled over. We got out of the car. We looked up, and man, I swear to you, it was a silly, maybe 200 feet, the size of several school buses at the least. Wow. And I'm jumping up, Dad. Look, it's so cool, Dad. This is so cool, so cool. My father looked at it like, da 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 da. Like nothing. <laughs> it's like a. Uh... Like, See, like he was like like he was looking at a head of cabbage in the supermarket. <laughs> nothing, no, nothing, 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 nothing. So that's the original story. Okay, I forgot about that story until my dad died in 2017. So that's 47 years later. Right. My dad died. I was very sad. We were very close. And I'm at a deli in West LA waiting for my pastrami sandwich to come. And I kid you not, I'm sitting there just minding my own business, thinking about my dad. And the, the storyline for this book came unto me, <laughs> like it came unto me from the heavens. You know, like, ah, like it just was beamed into my brain. You know, Paul McCartney said he dreamed the song yesterday. You, if you ever read about that, I he dreamed that. the song yesterday. He woke up. From a dream, and he wrote yesterday the best song ever. It's amazing, right? Wow! So it came to me, and here's what came to me. Forty-seven years after the fact, I remembered deciding with my dad, and I remembered the look on his face. You guys, that just was like commonplace. Like, and then here's the best part: he turned and he winked at me, and he goes, "Let's go home." <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> like nothing. Like nothing. Oh, man. So so let me tell you who my father was. My father worked for the U.S. Army for 45 years, 1951 to 1996. He was an electronics engineer. He was not military. He was a civilian. And he worked at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, 45 years, top secret. And he designed missiles and drone systems and radar to, to spy on our enemies. He always used to say he helped America win the Cold War. That's the only thing he would ever say about his job. So after he died, and I'm waiting for my sandwich, and I remembered that he looked at this craft, which was like, I mean, if, if, if it was you, you, the three of us, we'd be like hugging. Oh, yeah. Yeah, jaw on the floor. We'd be jumping yeah. up and down. Right. right. No, we're it's supposed just, to grab our camera. Right. <laughs> this, this is 1970. You know, I had a little instamatic. Yeah, you're instant. Yeah. yeah. Instant, yeah. yeah. Turned, I didn't have it with me. Okay, so after he died, I called my mother. Now, my mother's still alive. She's 88. She lives in New Jersey. I said, Mom, did Dad ever talk about UFOs in all the years that he worked for the government? Uh, everything my dad did in his job flew, either flew in the sky or was in, like radar was involved with the sky. So how could my father not have not known have seen something yeah. or, or, or not have been informed? Right. Okay. So here's the story. So after my dad, I called my mom, died, called my mom. And I said, did he ever talk about you? And what she said, he never did ever, but. The very first week he worked at Fort Monmouth, his first week there, 1951, they took him deep into the vaults on his first week, deep into the vaults, and they showed him something super top secret, and they said to him, you can never tell anyone what you saw here today as long as you live. Oh, wow. <laughs> My mom said he came home, he was white and pale and shaking, oh, wow. and, she said, and she says, honey, what's wrong? He goes... I saw something today I can never, ever tell you or anyone about as long as I live. And he never did. He never did. Mm -hmm. So, again, after he died and I'm waiting for my sandwich, I realized between the look on his face and the wink, the wink, my dad had to have known what that was. Yeah. That's light bulb, yeah. and that's where my book came after they came. The whole premise and the whole storyline and the characters, it all came to me when I was waiting for my sandwich. Um, With, without giving up the whole, you know, the whole book. I know it's like there, you had a couple of different species there that you talk about. It's the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell us about how, how you came up with those. <clears throat> sure. Okay. So 
Again, while I'm waiting for my sandwich, I had a pen and there was a paper placemat on the on the table. And I just doodled and I wrote down, lead character finds out that his late father worked with UFOs and new aliens. Okay, that's like the premise. And then I wrote capital A, capital T, capital C, those letters. And I'm telling you, I didn't know what that was until I looked at it for a while. I was like, after they came. Okay, well, I guess that's the title. That's both, right? That's it. God or universe, whoever just made me write those letters. Download. (laughs) So uh, the premise of the book is the following. from, from and, and I based the lead character on my own life. For many, many years, I had I had depression that was undiagnosed and, and until I was 40. And I used to tell my friends, you know, life sucks, I hate my life, I'm going to swim out to sea and drown myself. That was a, a thing I used to tell people for years. So my lead character turns 70 and hates his life. He's depressed, his business sucks, his kids don't talk to him. He's divorced from his second wife. He killed his first wife in a car accident. Just everything sucks. So he decides to swim out to sea in the Pacific Ocean on his 70th birthday, commit suicide. That's his goal. That's all he wants to do is swim and drown. That's all he wants to do. This is chapter one. So he's in the ocean naked and he's drowning. And as he's drowning, an enormous, beautiful, diamond-shaped UFO comes out of the Pacific, right near where he was, right above him, beams him on board, saves his life, and then this craft slowly hovers over all of Los Angeles, and it arrives at Dodger Stadium, where it stays for a while, Dodger above Dodger Stadium. Oh, Dodgers. (laughs) Yeah, right? So at Dodger Stadium, by the time the crap got there, there's police cars, there's military, there's fire engines, ambulances, media, cameras, lights, microphones. Because it went so very slowly, and clearly, this was not of the of this earth. This craft in the book is not of this earth. Right. All the media comes. So these two beautiful, tall Nordic aliens. I have them coming from the Pleiades, uh, inter interdimensional star system. That's what. I called it tall, white, male, long, white hair, blue eyes, pale skin, gorgeous, seven foot tall, and his equally beautiful uh, a woman. So they beam down from the ship, and, and then they beam this guy. Now, this guy's naked still, and he's like, <laughs> Wow, <laughs> weird angle. But like, he's flopping like a fish because he just they plucked <laughs> right. <laughs> So all of this media and military, he's <laughs> and the aliens say, people of Earth, we are here. Don't be afraid of us. We are benevolent creatures. We are here to help you. We've been here on Earth for tens of thousands of years. We're here to save mankind because we love you and we love your race. We've helped your race for, for, for eons of time. But, oh, and then they say, um, we want to help solve your problems here on earth you have intractable problems we will solve as many as we can but you have to bring them to this man the floppy man (laughs) and they said he is our conduit on earth we have a special relationship with this guy he is the only way you can contact us is through this guy okay so the guy the floppy guy (laughs) slowly down a second base where he's laying now The aliens go back up on the ship. The ship takes off. Two seconds. So now, this man who's naked on second base, he's now the most famous man in the world. Right. All the media is right there. And everybody live around the world saw this guy. And he looked up and he goes, oh, my God, what the F just happened? <laughs> this would be a great never, movie. Yeah. Has, this, this is even the first few chapters. He has no idea what happened. No clue. Right. <laughs> The military retrieve him. They put him on a military plane at LAX. They fly him to Washington, D.C. He meets the president of the United States the next, you know, what, eight hours later. Right. Um, in the book, I, I originally wrote this book in 2017, the first draft. At the time I wrote it, Oprah Winfrey, um, there were rumors she was going to run for president. And I thought, wow, not only would that be great, 
he went in the landslide. Who could who who could possibly be over with? Right. Nobody could Trump. Nobody could be. <laughs> so in the book, I call her President Winfield. President, Winfield. and she's an African American woman in her seventies. Right. But think over. Yeah. Yep. The lead character, in my mind, the lead character is Steve Carell. Is he? Be, be oh yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, because he's, he's in every minute. He can yeah. be funny. He can be sad. Yeah. Have you met him? him? Have you met him, Dan? I not. I've not met him. No, but yeah. I actually, I actually sent this book to his agent in the mail. I said, please tell Steve I wrote this book. For him. They never. All right. They, they wouldn't pee on my shoe if I was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Like like most of the women I try to date. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my shoe if I was a yeah. Um. So let's see where was where was so uh, so he's yeah. uh, he's with the president in, in 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 the Oval Office, and the president says his name is Jonathan. Says, Jonathan, who are you? What what what, what happened? You know, aliens is on global television. You, you know, you the you talked about a person on the planet Earth. Who are you? And he goes, I'm a nobody. I'm a, I'm a loser. I'm a total schlub. I'm a loser. My life sucks. Everything sucks. I hate everything. And all I wanted to do right now was to be dead. He goes, all I wanted to do was to be dead. So that was my goal. And now, and he goes, now I'm with the President of the United States in the Oval Office and, the, and aliens from God knows where he's on live TV. Right? Right. So the course of the book the president sets him up at the UN as the world's first interstellar ambassador, interstellar ambassador. And people from the world are to go to him with their problems, and he will then meet with the aliens on their ship once a month. The aliens say, we will beam you up once a month, and each month moving forward will cure one of, your, one of mankind's problems. Along the way, his estranged children, his son and his daughter, hadn't seen in years and years president reunites them they become part of his team nice so the first thing they have a meeting at the un and he goes well what, what are the problems of the world gang and first thing everyone says is nuclear weapons if aliens have Number magic one. power yeah right if they have magic powers and they can do anything let's get rid of nuclear weapons so they study the topic they, he calls the president she goes do it go for it so he beam, they beam him on board and they say, Mr. Tuckerman, what would you like us to do for mankind? And he goes, well, I guess no nukes would be, would be nice. Might as well get rid of the nukes. So with, within the course of that week, the ship goes all over the world, hovering over all the army bases and the silos and the submarines and just, beam, just beams down lasers and just shuts them all down, just destroys all the nuclear weapons. And... The New York Times in the book, the New York Times says no nukes, like huge, no nukes. Right. That's the headline in the time. And so now he's already, so he's become a hero. Just in his first month in the public eye, he's now a hero. He has eliminated nuclear weapons from the from the planet Earth. And then throughout the book, he's, he, cures, uh, he cures famine, global famine. He cures with the aliens all disease, all disease. Wow including mental illness. Wow. Um, the, he has the he has the female alien hypnotize earthlings so they will never again have any form of sexual or racial uh, or ethnic discrimination because she, she, she does a live broadcast and says to the world, you know, for those of you who hate your fellow man, other because they don't look like you or they love differently, she said hell is a real place. And she goes, I report to the infinite creator who you call God. And she goes, let me tell you, heaven and hell are both real places. And if you want to go to hell, yeah. keep discriminating against your fellow man. You'll, right. get, you'll get to hell. Yeah. So people are like, oh, my God, I don't want to go to hell. Awakening. <laughs> and the, and the, the, the last thing they cure, the big, really huge thing is they reverse global warming. The aliens uh -oh. reverse global warming. They repair the ozone layer. They, they help. The, the polar ice caps become healthy again. They change the water temperature. Um, so on day one of this story, the guy's drowning in the ocean on his birthday, day one. One year later, he wins the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> <laughs> of course, right. And the president 
introduces him in Norway. So many people wanted to go that they had to rent a huge stadium. Because this guy's the most famous man in history. He's wow. the most famous man in history. Right. How to do it in a stadium. That's the first third of the book. And and for me, wouldn't it be nice if aliens came that were benevolent, right? You right. know, you should, like War of the Worlds or Independence Day. Yeah. Um, there's a famous, you guys will know this reference. There's a famous Twilight, I love and I love this episode. There was a famous Twilight Zone episode called To Serve Man. Yep. 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 Yeah. yep. <laughs> aliens, the aliens come and they pretend they're nice. Yeah. And, and humans are boarding the ships at the end. And, yep. and someone says, Don't get on the ship to serve man. It's a cookbook. <laughs> right, right, right. That was great. Right. That was a great. great. It was. I, was, I think I was 12. I'm like, Oh, that's the greatest thing. I've and ever he's, seen. he's on the ship at the end yeah. and then they're trying to make him eat to get him fatter. <laughs> <laughs> so, most most alien movies or, or or themes or stories they come to kill us or eat us. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was there mourning my dad, thinking of this book, I'm like, why can't they just be nice? Why can't yeah. they be nice and come and be beautiful? You know, in the book, the male alien would be Brad Pitt, and the female would be Blake Lively, who I think might yeah. be the prettiest girl in the history of mankind. Yeah. Right. They would just yeah. be these stellar, gorgeous human looking people. Yeah. Um, that's the first third of the book. Later in the book, we find out, okay, so after the year is up, people say, say, Mr. Tuckerman, you've done so much for us and thank you, but why did aliens pick you? And he goes, you know, I should probably ask them, shouldn't I? <laughs> it doesn't even occur to him to ask, why me? So the, set, the, the middle part of the book, the middle section of the book, they he finds out they show him like home movies. They, they, there's a device, the aliens, they said, oh, you want to know why you're here? Watch this. They gave him this machine. And he, and, and he watches his parents from 70 years earlier. He watches home movies made by God right. of his parents. And it turns out his parents saved the life of the little alien who turned out to be the big Brad Pitt alien 70 years ago. Oh, oh, wow. His nice. father was a UFO researcher and scientist working with the military, doing experiments, and one of the father's craft accidentally collided with a, with a, a small UFO, and, and this little baby alien was, was injured, severely injured. So the dad could have taken the aliens back to the military base, but the alien said, please don't do that. They'll study me. They'll put me in, in a cage. They'll kill me. Uh, your people, and the alien says, your people are not ready for my existence. Please don't take them to the base. So he brings them to the hotel where he's staying with his wife. And the two of these people nurture the little baby alien back to health. Nice. That I stole from E.T., let's face it. Remember yeah. E.T.? <laughs> oh, in, yeah. He's in, the yeah. he's in the bathtub and he's right. I stole that right out of E.T. So that's the why. And, and, and he he finds out his dad was involved with Project Blue Book. His dad was uh, a, a, a UFO scientist with Project Blue Book for many decades and just never told him. So that came to me because, you know, look, did, people have been asking me lately, did my dad know about aliens and UFOs? Well, I'll no one will know because he's dead. He never said that. But the way he looked at that UFO, man, and winked at me, is number one, clue number one. Right. Clue number two, when my mother told me they showed him something top secret and he never talked about it his whole life. Clue number two. Clue number three, every single thing my father did for 45 years went, was in the sky. Everything he did was in the sky. Clue number four, I just found out the other day, my mother said he used to go to White Sands Missile uh, Range all the time for testing. He used to go to Vandenberg. He used to go to Edwards. He used to go to Fort Bragg in Texas to to see his designs, you know, do whatever they're yeah. going to do. And clue number five, and I love this one. You guys know Richard Dolan, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, one of my favorite. Yep. Right. So Richard Dolan has a book, I think it's called After Disclosure. Yep. Right? And in the back of volume one, in the back, there's a list of all UFO sightings over military bases in the United States. 
from like the 40s on. So I happened to look, I read the book and Richard gave me a quote actually from that book too. Nice. I looked in that index, you guys, and there are two sightings over Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. Oh, wow. UFOs on radar, 1951, the year my dad started there, 1952, a year later. Okay, so add all those up. My dad's reaction to, to a UFO that made me hysterical and made him bored. What my mother told me about top secret vault, everything he did was in the sky blue and was in the sky and, and yeah. had to have known during that from the 51 is only four years after Roswell. Right. You know, my dad was a young man. He was 21 and 51 and that's just right after Roswell. Um, incredible. And then, and then the, the, the two sightings in Dolan's book above Fort Monmouth where my father worked. Yeah. So even if he wasn't outside, right, no one came in and said, hey, Jack, you know, we just right. to, nobody <laughs> told my father. <laughs> Did you see that on right arm? You know, sitting right there, right. sitting there. So I, I personally believe in retrospect now that what my dad and I saw the V was, was military craft based on alien technology. I truly, and I, I truly, from my heart, I believe that that's the case because my dad looked like he was familiar with what we were seeing. Right. Questions? Awesome. Answers? Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Amazing. So your personal, I mean, you've seen a craft, so obviously you believe that something's out there. Um, are you a MUFON? Are you a member of MUFON? Yeah. I'm a member of MUFON LA. For, I was for years. Then you probably may run out of this. That went away and it became UPARS. Did you know no, UPARS? No. No. I, I, you, no. Do you know the name Steve? Do you know the name Steve Marillo? That sounds know. familiar to me. There's a guy in Southern down here in Southern California, Steve Marillo. He ran MUFON LA for years. Then he morphed it into UPARS, uh, the UFO Paranormal Society. Okay. And he ran that for years. Then COVID came and, and both entities just died. Right. At AlienCon, now, Matt, I met you at UFOCon. Yes. Okay, so two weeks earlier, I was at AlienCon in Pasadena, and I met Earl Gray Anderson. You must know him. Yes. Do you know him, Earl Gray Anderson? Yep, I've heard of him. Yeah, he's... So he is he's a super nice guy. He's resurrected yep. MUFON LA, April 30th in LA, it's coming back after so it's oh. been dormant for quite some time. Um, oh, I also Doug, I had two other sightings. If, if you'd like to, hear yes, that. definitely. Yep. Okay, so the one with my dad, I told you, seventy. Cut to nineteen ninety eight. Nineteen ninety eight. I always forget the year. Nineteen ninety six. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Cut to nineteen ninety six. Uh, at that time, I had, I had been ma married for a while, and then I got divorced. I had two small children, and my ex-wife took the kids to Lancaster, which is near Edwards Air Force Base. And for my son's eighth birthday in 96, I bought him a telescope. And one night in Lancaster, which is the high desert, and the sky is clear and beautiful, and you can see the stars, and, and you can see everything. We're looking through the scope, and we saw in the far right corner of the sky, looked like an egg, egg-shaped, bright light, egg-shaped, sort of off-yellow, off-white color. And it quickly flew in a very straight line, very quickly across the entirety of the sky in a straight line. And I said to my son, wow, that's a satellite. We just saw a satellite. How cool. Then it stopped for about 30 seconds in place. And then you guys, it reversed course. And it went back. Exactly. Whoa, satellites don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> or comets. It's not, it's not a comet. It's not no. a meteor. It's not an asteroid. <laughs> I don't think it's a man-made plane that can stop for 30 yeah. seconds was and then travel across the entire sky. I don't know how big the sky is. Was it wow. silent? It's pretty big, and it was very fast. Yeah. So that was the second sighting. My third sighting, probably the most dramatic, well, no, certainly dramatic. In 2008, I went to James Gilliland's ranch. Yeah. Do you know James Gilliland? Yeah. It's East Eddy. It's called East Eddy. Yeah. It's, he has a ranch in, uh, in Washington state at the base of Mount Adams. 
and it's a world famous uh, UFO sighting hotspot. And I met James, he did a talk at Groupon LA in 2008 about his ranch. And he showed unbelievable film and, and stills of UFOs. And, and I said to my girlfriend, Barbara, at the time, I said, well, we, we have to go there. So 4th of July weekend, 2008, he had a UFO three-day weekend. Seminars and things during the day cool. and watching the sky event there. So the first day we saw people like William Henry and I think Paul Hynek and maybe Nick Pope was there and there's your films, oh, wow. and lectures and, and movies and slides and talked about orbs. I'd never heard of orbs. And that was during the days. And at night, uh, they built a bonfire. People would have guitars and tambourines and, and, and women would be dancing around the fire. And we're all looking up in the sky, okay? So the Friday night, looking up in the sky for hours, my neck is hurting, right? <laughs> not, 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 I have my heavy, in those days, I still had a heavy video. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay, the next night, Saturday night, same thing, hours and hours, looking up, <laughs> dancing, chanting, hi yeah, hi yeah, absolutely no thanks. I said to my girlfriend, I said, this is so not going to happen. This is so not going to happen. The third and final night was a Sunday. Same thing again. We're looking up at this guy. And I said to Barbara, I go, you know what? Why don't we leave soon to beat the traffic? But, you know, maybe we should get the heck out of here and beat the traffic. No sooner did I say that, I swear to you guys, <laughs> a giant thing, like a black, maybe teardrop-shaped craft, came out of nowhere and hovered directly above our heads. Oh, wow. wow. Black teardrop, a couple hundred feet directly above. And then underneath the craft, was a very bright, dark emerald green light. The most beautiful emerald green color you've ever seen in your life. And it flashed on and off like this wow. right over our heads. As many times as if to say, hello, we're here. <laughs> Thank you for chanting for us. You know, Don't leave. We're in, <laughs> we're in the neighborhood. We just wanted to say hello. And, and we, you know, thank you very much. I hope you have a nice evening. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm telling you guys, that I think is awesome. And took off. Took off. That's amazing. I, I cried. I cried. Yeah. Nice. Hugging, kissing, crying, everywhere. <laughs> and that one was that was away. That was my third and final sighting to this day. That's a mass sighting. I mean, if there's everybody there, that was a great one. Were you were you abducted or you just had the sighting? No, you no, never no abducted. One. Now, now here's what people have been saying to me recently, which I find fascinating. The sighting I saw with my dad in 70, why did I forget about that for 47 years? Right, right. How, how on yeah. earth could I have forgotten such a remarkable thing in my life? Yeah. So I don't know. Was I taken? There's no way I was taken. No. That happens often, though. People will have a sighting or mass sightings, and then they absolutely forget, and something triggers it. I absolutely yeah. forgot. You know, yeah. in 70, uh, uh, 14, I was a drummer. I played rock and roll. I was going to rock concerts. Right. Looking at girls from afar and crying right. to talk to them. Right. So, so after that day of the event, I went home from the event and called the, my local newspaper. Right. I said, my name is Danny. I'm 14. I just you know you Excited. I remember, and the lady, and the lady said, "Young man, we're getting a lot of calls right now. I can't talk to you. Um, look, watch out for a story in the paper. I gotta go click." Well, nothing yeah. ever ran in the paper. Oh, they didn't run it. And then yeah. that was it. I forgot all about it. Yeah, sorry, Dan, you dropped out. You back? I am back. Sorry okay. about that. So, Is Mike. That Go ahead. It, said 30, it said 30 minutes had expired. Was that on your end or my end? I think I that's, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, probably me, it's probably me. It wanted me to upgrade Zoom. Let's so blame, I could, uh, blame the CIA. Yeah, we'll blame, I, I'll, I actually did that. I'll have yeah, to, I'll have to un, undo that part. Yeah, you have to pay a few bucks to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Nothing's for free, Dan. So I was going to ask you about the uh, the paranormal side part. You used to, um, did your father ever come back and visit you after he had this oh, passing? Oh, my God. What a great question. Well, absolutely, yes. Many, many times. And, in fact, uh, my next book comes out in January next year. My next book. It's called My Paranormal Life, colon, 
Supernatural Stories from a Hollywood Insider. The, right. the publishers insisted that I use the word Hollywood in there. So, <laughs> so it's called My Paranormal Life. It's coming out in January. Perfect. Nice. I've had uh, ghosts. Well, okay. I've had a poltergeist in my life, which turned out to be my grandpa. Oh, wow. I, yeah, let me do that one first. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> All right, so in 2003, I lived with a woman in Beverly Hills in a large apartment. And um, when we moved in, she moved in a few hours before I did. As she's moving in, she's inside the apartment. No one else was there. And she heard Joe, and she turned around, and no one, no one was there. No, the movie men were outside at the truck. Oh, wow. She told me that, that that night, she said, I heard Joe. I'm like, okay, that's nice. Then the first night we were there together, we're watching TV. We had a package of, of, of items in the dining room, just a paper package of items. You know, like those sink drainers, like the, that have the slots in them, the plastic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. We just had a, a bag of, of items for kitchen in the, in the dining room. Sitting there, had been there for the whole day. And we're watching TV, and suddenly this sink drainer somehow hopped, hopped, hopped out of the bag. What? It hopped out of the bag and onto the floor. We heard the clock, and we looked, and we said, okay, well, how did that happen? <laughs> I, I have no idea how that happened. No clue. Okay. Then, a few nights later, we're sleeping, middle of the night, we hear crash, really loud crash. We go in our bathroom. A glass, the glass glass of, for drinking water had been, <laughs> it looked like someone had taken it and smashed it really hard. It was in a million pieces on the tile. Oh, man. A million pieces on the tile. And we said, okay, well, that's certainly strange. Yeah. And I said, is that your, could that possibly have been your cat? And she said, no, look. And we pointed, the cat was under the bed. So we said, no, it wasn't the cat. Okay. A couple nights later, <laughs> this one I love, this part. <laughs> we had a fireplace. And I, you know those long matchsticks, the real long matchsticks oh, that yeah. come in a round cylinder? Yep. yep. I had the cylinder for the fireplace. Logs were there. I opened a brand new canister. I opened the canister. I grabbed the, I think it was 50 matches, the long ones. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, you guys, and I pulled real hard. Right. And all, all 50 were up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, man. It was. I'm like, ah, <laughs> there's fire in my face. I'm like, ah. <laughs> as that's happening, as there's a fire in my face, a blue misty thing, a blue misty thing came out of the dining room, I swear to you, blew through the dining room, it flew into the living room, it took this torch out of my hands, it pulled it out of my hands, um, and it threw the torch into the fireplace. Wow. And I looked around, like, oh, my God, that, what, what was that? Right. What, it wasn't me. I, I didn't throw the things. I was too scared. I didn't right. know what to do. This thing took it out and threw it in, in the fireplace. Okay. Wow. That's Almost awesome. to save you. Yeah. In a sense. It was, yeah. It was to save you. Okay. A couple nights later, my kids are visiting, each in their own room. Middle of the night, my son was 15 at this time. My daughter was 13. And middle of the night, my, my son screams, Dad! Dad, there's someone in my room. There's someone in my room. Screaming in the middle of the night, three in the morning. I go into my son's room, and he woke up. He was shaking. And he goes, Dad, someone was knocking on all the walls in my room. Oh, oh. Including the glass Man. on the TV screen. He said, wow. went all wow. the way around the room to knock. And he was shaking. He was scared yeah. to death. Man. So I, I talked to him for a while. We kept the light on. He finally fell back to sleep. Okay. So he's sleeping with the door uh, with the door open so the next morning me my girlfriend and my daughter are in the kitchen making pancakes my son is still sleeping as we're in the kitchen we hear a door slam really hard slamming and my son goes dad <laughs> and he opened the door it was like almost stuck the door like i had a pull on it and he goes somebody just slammed the door in my room i thought that wasn't you he goes no i was still sleeping I said, okay, guys, this is enough, enough is enough. <laughs> I had a Ouija board in the closet. I said to the these three people, we got to do a Ouija board because there's something here. 
in this house. There's clearly something else in this house. So we sat down in the living on the hallway floor, me, my girlfriend, my son, and my daughter, and we did the stuff. Right. And and I did the questions and I said, Is there someone here? Yes. Two seconds. I said, Are you a ghost? Yes. I, and then um I said, What's your name? And it wrote Joseph. Joseph. Now remember my girlfriend heard Joe? Right. Yeah. Okay, so Joseph and Joe. Okay. I said Joseph. I'm like, Joseph the Gus, that's interesting. Then I here's the best part. Where are you from? You ready, you guys? Yeah. It wrote Syria. Huh. Syria. My grandfather was from Syria. Oh. oh man. I swear to God. Wow. My father's father was born in Syria. Syria. Wow. So then I started crying. I said, Are man. you my grandpa Joe? Yes. Yes. I'm like, why are you here? And it wrote and it wrote Jordan. That's my son's name. Why are you here, Jordan? And then I think we said, why Jordan? And I think it wrote to teach. I believe it said to teach. Then it wrote something in Hebrew. Now, my grandfather was an Orthodox Jew. And he wrote something in Hebrew, which I later had translated to, to mean, I am a stranger here. What he wrote in Hebrew, I knew it was Hebrew. Right. I didn't know what it was. I called my dentist and he said, it means I am a stranger. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I said, I said, Grandpa Joe, look, I love you, man. But I said, you got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you, you are scaring the you're, shit out of right, You're freaking everybody out. Uh, I hate to tell you, because he was my favorite grandparent. Like, you got to go. You have to leave. <laughs> you, you're scaring us. We don't want you here anymore. And, and, and God is my witness. The thing stopped moving. And that was it. Nothing else ever happened. That's Nothing. crazy. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> That's my grandpa Joe Poulter died story. <laughs> my dad died. Okay, my dad died in 2017 April mm -hmm. on, a, on a Monday. That Friday, I had to be at a meeting in Silicon Valley for a client. So I went to the meeting. Came home, went to the hotel room. I was asleep. Middle of the night, I'm asleep. I heard from underneath my bed, in the middle of the night, my father's voice said, Danny, Jeannie changed my will. <laughs> Jeannie was my father's second wife. Jeannie changed my will. I heard it. I, like, I felt the vibration of something, like a, like the bass, you know, from a rock concert. Right. Up through the mattress. Danny, Jeannie... It turns out my brothers and I later found out that my second, my father's second wife changed his will. Oh, oh, so it was true. Man. That's amazing. That was that part. Wow. Okay. Couple, maybe a week later, dream. I'm dreaming that I'm playing with my son when he was little. We were playing with trains, which we did all the time. There's a knock on the door. I open the door. It's my dad maybe age 40, healthy, tan, beautiful, and he had a black mustache in the dream. My dad never had a black mustache. <laughs> right, right, so he's way younger. <laughs> so I'm opening the door, my dad is there, and I go, Dad? He goes, hello. And I said, you look great, man. He goes, thank you very much. And he walked into the room in the dream and sat down and played with my son with the trains. Now that really wow. happened oh, many, wow. many times. Oh, right. That's amazing. So, so that happened. What a great story. Week later, another dad dream. Me, my dad, and my brother Bob were in a room. The room is all black. It was just the three of us at a long table. But me, my dad, and my brother Bob. And we're sitting there, and I'm looking at my father, and I said, Dad, what are you doing here? You're dead. <laughs> and my father said, I know, but I wish I wasn't. Oh, wow. And man. then I looked at my brother Bob. I go, Bob, we're talking to our dead father. <laughs> And Bob goes, yeah, I know. Oh. Oh, like, was, <laughs> like this has happened before. And so since then, I've had countless dreams that right. I'm with my with my dad. Right. Countless times. Either like things based on things in the past, or he's with me now, and we're having, a, and, and he knows he's dead. My dad knows, oh, I didn't let, I left this, these two last things. I'm a drummer. I've been a drummer my whole life. My dad, Years ago, my dad bought me the little, toy drum set like this big blue hip 
Oh, nice. Oh, cool. I mean, these little these little toy drops. Right. Years. That is cool. Yeah. And they've been on my a dresser for for decades. Right. A couple weeks after my father dies, <laughs> three in the morning, I hear. I swear this is true. I hear this. <laughs> I sat up in bed. I'm like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There's no yeah. one there. There's no one there. You know, and then stop. Right. Said, Dad, is that you? <laughs> well, it had to be. Who else would it have been? It right. Be. Okay. That is great. And then the last story is a couple weeks after that, same thing, middle of the night in my room. I have a touch lamp on the dresser. You have to touch it for the yeah. bulb to go. It will only go on if it's touched. Middle of the night, the lamp goes on and off and on and off twice. And I sat up and I said, Dad, Please stop. You're scaring me. Please go away. <laughs> it's enough already, Dad. It's enough. And then he never did that again. Wow. So so those things inspired my paranormal. And there's other. I put my UFO sightings in there. And and I've heard angelic voices talking to me always in my right ear. Mm -hmm. Things have told me things that came true. Every single thing that ever said to me came true. Nice. Um, wow. So it's just it's a it's an odds and ends thing. People have read it so far; they seem to think it's kind of fun. Nice, amazing. All right, well, we're running up against an hour, sir. I appreciate okay. you joining us. Sure, sure. You guys, I could talk to you guys all day. Right. I know this is awesome. I'd love to have you back on. Hey, part two. Cool. <laughs> thanks well, for thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail .com. Visit us on Facebook at AlienProbe.net, Twitter and Instagram at AlienProbePod. Check us out on YouTube, AlienProbe Podcast. Like and subscribe. Thanks to our senior producer, Robert Anthony. Thanks, Daniel Harari. I appreciate you coming on. It's very gracious of you to, you know, come on our show. We've been doing this a couple years, and... It's not a monetized thing. We're doing this, um, you know. No, this was this interested. was one of this was one of the more fun ones that I have done. <laughs> well, I'm I've glad done, to hear that. Yeah, I've done quite a few. Please tell please tell everyone to get my book after yes. they came. After they came. After they came, definitely. Let's go ahead and uh, yeah, yeah, right, there. right here. There it is. All, All right. right, buy it. Yes. This I one was signed by this is signed by Nick Pope, by the way. Nice. Oh, nice. man, I want Yeah, right. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks, Dan. We'll see you next time. Appreciate it. Okay, yes. thanks, thanks Sam. Bye-bye.